All right, good evening again. Shoot that thing. I, uh, I was very blessed this morning by the service, obviously, with, uh, with all that happened this morning. I, I was very blessed uh, with the message this morning. The team did a wonderful job there. I was very blessed with the worship team, and um, we are blessed every week in, with this incredible worship. And I appreciate that because we went to a little tiny church that had a little tiny back Lord service, service, and two guys stood on stage, one guy and one woman stood on stage and kind of plucked a guitar and sang. And I'm going, God, we get something incredible every week. And I'm just grateful for that. I really am. And the special music and all. And blessed with a brother to come pray at the altar. Uh, I'm just telling you what. Yeah. God's been good to us. God's been good to us. We're very grateful. Um, very grateful. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you have a plan? Do you have a plan? Um, that's really important when you get older. Um, when I, uh, I'm not sure when, but I, I, I was pretty sure that I was never going to get old. And yeah, well, you know, I figured I would be, when I turned 46, I think it was, in the year 2000, looking forward to that like 15 years before that, I said, man, I'm going to be really old then, you know? I need to plan. Well, I didn't plan, and 2000 came and went, and I was 46. And gosh, now I look back, and Jeremy, that sounds like really young, you know? And, and when you get older, when you get to my age now, I'm 64, you, you need to be thinking about the future. Because there's this thing called food that is very valuable, you know? And if you don't make some kind of plan, if you're kind of on the government to take care of you, you may go on a crash diet. Just saying, just saying, you may starve, okay? So it's important then that we plan for the future. It's very important. Jesus said it was. Jesus said it was. But he went much bigger than just making sure that when you're unable to work or choose not to work, that you have food. He went further than that and said, said, you know, when you get to heaven, then you want to make sure that you have your investment there. And that's what we want to talk about. We've been in this series now, Investing 101, and uh, this is a, a scripture I snagged up several weeks ago um, for presentation. And it's a great scripture. It's a really, I think, a very unusual scripture. So if you want to take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, it's a really, really good scripture. And it's a challenging scripture. It's a challenging scripture. And it makes you kind of want to scratch your head also. So my question tonight is, do you have a plan? Are you planning? Okay. And here's how it goes. So now he said, he being Jesus, now Jesus said to his disciples, there was a rich man. Now, now this is a parable. And you remember what a parable is? A parable is a story that a person makes up to teach something. Okay? So this is not a true story. Jesus was the master teacher and Jesus was the master storyteller. And so it was not uncommon for him to start and say, well, you know, let me tell you a story. And sometimes those stories made a lot of sense. And sometimes they did not, okay? And this one's a head-scratcher. It is not because it doesn't make sense, but you kind of go, really? You know, really? In fact, it's one of those stories, almost, if you're going to write the Bible, you go, I'm not sure I'd put that one in there, you know? You might want to leave that one out. But, but so I think it's safe to say in this story that, that we would not be stretching Scripture to say that this rich man represents God, okay? I think that's a, that's a pretty fair one. And when it says that he was, there was a rich man then you do understand that God's the richest of all. 
Amen. Uh, listen again. I, I, these are scriptures that I used not too long ago. This is Psalm 24. Now listen, listen. I, I told somebody this morning, never, I was fixing the same thing. I said, now listen to me. Now listen to me. Listen to what the word of the Lord says. The earth is the Lord's. So if it's the Lord's, who's it not? That would be yours. Okay? The earth is the Lord's. It's not yours. It's not ours. It's not, it's not people who love the earth. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. So everything on the earth is the Lord's. So the earth is the Lord's and everything on the earth, the world and those who dwell therein. So this whole shooting match is God's. Everything. So that would you call that rich? Would you call that rich? Yes. Yes, you would call that rich. Okay. So there was a rich man. He owns everything. God owns everything. Now, this rich man then received an accusation, okay, and someone walked up one day to the rich man and said, hey, have you heard what's going on down in the accounting office and in the accounts receivable and in the ordering department? Have you heard what's going on? There's an accusation made, okay, that his manager, his steward, now do you remember what a steward is? Now it's really important because listen, this is who you are, okay? A, A steward, a manager is not the owner. He manages for the owner. Okay, are you getting it already? Okay, so if the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all that inhabit it, so he owns everything, the only option, Candy, is for us to be stewards. So whatever it is you got title to, you don't really have title to. Whatever you've got in the bank that's got your name on it, it really doesn't have your name on it. Okay, so so this you know this rich man owns it all, and he had a man who was put in charge of his stuff. You and I were put in God in charge of God's stuff. Why are y'all so quiet for? I mean, you act like you're fixing to get a shot or something. You might be. <laughs> you might be. All right. So he receives the accusation that his manager, his steward, okay. And by the way, First Corinthians four two. If you haven't written that down yet, First Corinthians four two says. It's required of stewards, it's required of managers that they be found faithful. Okay? So the job description of a manager is to be found faithful. Okay? So so this rich guy has an accusation brought against his manager, against his steward, that he is squandering his possessions. Okay, squandering his possessions. So he's taking the, the stuff that belongs to the to the um, owner, to the to the guy. Okay, and he's acting like not that he's a manager, but that he's the owner. So instead of acting like a manager, he's acting like an owner. If you were to go home and look in the mirror and we're honest, you say at one time or another, we've all done this. We all look at what we have in our possessions and we're acting like owners and not stewards. I want you to be, I want you to be ca- candid now. Now, now listen, there, I, I, like the, I, I read this in the commentary. I said, you know, I really like that. Because it said, it's not wrong for the steward to enjoy the possessions, but he must always remember who owns them. Okay? You, again, if I was a... If I was an Everett D. Jones guy, and I just picked up my arbitrary because that's one I know, okay? If I was a financial advisor for Everett D. Jones, you might walk into my office, okay, and give me some money. And you give me money and say, I want you to invest this for me so that when I'm, when I'm 70, I won't starve, okay? And so I would say yes, okay? Now, 
What I would do is I would make a commission off that money. So I would enjoy part of your money. I would enjoy that. You would provide a lifestyle for me that I could enjoy. However, I would I should never reach a point where I think that's my money so that I would take your money, cash it in, and then call you and say, thank you for the new boat. Because you just bought me a boat. No, no, no. You'd say, no, no, no. I, I put you in charge of the money. It wasn't your money. You can't use my money to go buy stuff for you. At least not that much stuff. So it's really important that we remember with God that if the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all that inhabit it, that we remember that we are managers of whatever he's placed in our hands, okay? It's okay for us to enjoy life. And Paul said, you know, God has given us all things to richly enjoy. So that's not the deal. However, and this is my gig, this is my thing, this is my problem. It's not that, it's not that I, you know, I say, okay, well, I'm not supposed to enjoy this. My, my thing is, is I get it in my head that I own it. It's the attitude. It's the brain. The brain that says, this is mine to control. The brain that says, this is mine to use, to do as I want to. And I forget that God owns the earth and the fullness thereof, the world, and all that inhabit it. So it's really important if you're going to be a good biblical manager, enjoy what God's placed in your hands. But keep in mind you're the manager and not the owner. Don't start living like the owner because it'll get you in trouble every single time. Now, I better say this now because I'll forget later on. It'd be awful easy to say, oh, you're talking about money. And I would say, yeah, yeah, I'm talking about resources, okay? But, 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 listen, I'm talking about time. Time. Yo. Do we manage our time well for God? What do you do with your time? If, if we were, you know, they, they've always told me, you know, you go to these preacher conferences and things, and throughout that, you know, if you really want to see the depth of your relationship with Jesus Christ, you know, they, they throw two out. Check your checkbook and check your calendar. If you don't see God written in your checkbook regularly, there's an issue. If you don't see God regularly in your calendar, there's an issue. There's an issue. You know, you have probably moved from being a manager to being an owner. At least you think you have. God still owns it all. Okay? So, but, but that's huge. And, and the world that we live in today, trust me, I'm acutely aware of time stealers. I'm acutely aware of how busy people are, how busy we are. You know, ministers not exempt from being busy. You know, I don't know anyone who goes, I'm just not busy. Even retired people, you know, matter of fact, some of the most busiest people I know are retired people. They would say, we had more time before we retired. Okay? You know, single guys maybe, because when you get married, there's honeydews and all that stuff to do, you know, all that stuff. So, so I want you to understand that, yes, resources, how are you managing resources? How are you managing your time? Hey, 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 how are you managing your abilities and talents? If God's giving you a talent or ability... Are you using it for the kingdom? Because that's part of it. Anything that you are as far as your abilities and talents, who gave that to you? Yeah, thank you, Mary. God did. God did. Okay, so are you seeing that? It's just, it's just really huge and big. Okay, well, this guy was squandering. He, he was enjoying a lifestyle. However, his attitude, big deal, his attitude had moved, has moved from manager to owner. Okay? All right. So, what's going to happen? So, he called... This is verse 2. So, he called... He, the rich guy, he called the manager in. Read, 
He called him on the carpet. Ever been called on the carpet before? Yeah, I, I've been called on the carpet before. I got time. I just told this story. And I've told it here before, probably before, I don't know. But back when I joined the Air Force, you know, I was a pretty, I mean, I, was, I, was, I didn't smoke and chew and run around with girls who do, you know. I went to church a lot and all that stuff, you know. So I was, I was raised to say yes, ma'am, and, and no, sir, and all that stuff. I was a pretty good guy, you know. And so I get the basic training. It was no big deal for me, even though I'd never been away from mom and dad. I got lonely, but I was used to discipline, so it wasn't a bad deal, you know. It's a pretty good gig. Well, so <laughs> we had this guy that was kind of like fat. And so when you're fat in the Air Force, especially in basic training, they set you back. What that means is they send you to the fat, to the fat farm. And so you go there and you lose weight, and then when you're skinny enough, you come back and join a, a flight, a squadron, okay, and finish your basic training. Well, we had a guy that had been fat and had lost some weight, and now he's back in. So he had been in the service longer than all of us. So naturally, they made him the dorm chief. They made him the boss, okay? And he was so stinking arrogant. I mean, he was. I remember this day. I can see his face. He was just arrogant. He thought he owned the world. He, you know, he hadn't read that scripture in Psalm 24. He thought he owned the world. Well, I just casually said one day to a person, just one of the guys, I said, he is so arrogant. He thinks he owns the world, you know. Well, that guy told another guy who told the dorm chief, okay? And the dorm chief told the TI, the technical instructor, the boss, and so we're sitting there one day, you know, and he has us. He says, all right, everybody else, sit down here outside my office. So we all sit down outside the office, and you know, and I'm sitting there. And from inside the office, I hear, Taylor, come here. I'm going, so, so I go in there, you know, and do my best little, you know, thing. And yes, sir, you know. And he goes, sit down. There's not a chair. There's not a chair. I said, sir. He said, sit down. So he has me place my hands on his desk and squat like this. Yeah. And so for 15, eh, it was probably 10 minutes. For 10, oh, first he walks over and closes the door. And for 10 minutes, he leaves me like that. Okay? And he starts screaming and hollering. Okay? So everybody can hear it out there. He walks over and kicks the door, slaps the door. And I'm sitting there going, I mean, I am about like, you know, done. You know, I'm about like to cave in. And so, and so what happens is he finally, after 10 minutes, says, get out of my office. The legs are not going to work. I crawled out of his office. And there were 30 other airmen looking at me going, so what was the purpose of that? It was a teaching moment. Teaching moment. You know, you do not, one, you do not talk back to superiors, okay? And this is what's going to happen to you if you do. It was a teaching moment. I was held accountable. I was held accountable. So I was called on the carpet. So he calls this manager in, okay, and says a couple of things. One, what is this I hear about you? Okay. Two, give an account of your management. In other words, we're going to do a little audit situation. I want you to go in and audit the books. I want you to give an account of your record. Oh, and by the way, the last part, you're fired. 
You're fired. So we see this manager now, okay? He's, he's been squandering. He's been living like an owner and not a manager. Word gets out. The boss calls him in. There's going to be an audit. There's going to be an accounting. And you're fired, okay? What if God did business like that? What if God did business like that? I mean, it, you know, again, there's a good parallel here. Don't miss the parallel. You know, God can easily, God owns it all. We are his stewards. And what if he were to call us and say, you know, you're giving an account. You're fired as a steward. You're, not, you're still my child, but you're fired as a steward. I'm telling you what, if God fired people for being poor stewards, there would be a lot of unemployed believers. There really would. There really would. Oh, by the way, there's a day of accountability called the judgment seat of Christ. But that's another sermon for another time. So anyway. So in verse number three. So the, y'all are still real quiet. It's unusual. So the manager said to himself. What will I do? <laughs> that's a good question to ask. What will I do since my master is taking the management away from me? In other words. I no longer have a job. Because my job is being a steward. And I've been destewardized. Okay, my credentials have been pulled. I am no longer employed. What am I going to do? Okay, and so I'm not strong enough to dig. You know, he had a cushy job. Okay, which reminds me of another story. I was preaching a revival at Galatia First Baptist Church, and I was standing there, and there comes one of those little old ladies. And I mean, I was like, at the time, I was a lot younger. And, And here she comes, and she shakes my hand, she goes, I can tell you don't work for a living. Yeah, well, it wasn't you getting it. I mean, all right? So it just, it just stuck. It just stuck. I'm not strong enough to dig. Okay, yeah, I don't have a lot of calluses, all right, on my hands, okay? I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I'm too proud to beg. Verse 4. I know what I'll do so that when I'm removed from management, people will welcome me into their Homes. Now, this is the first big lesson. This is what we learned. This is, that, this is a good lesson from a bad situation. The man had a plan. The man had a plan. Good stewards have a plan. Good stewards have a plan. Do you have a plan on how you're going to steward what God has placed in your hands? So that... It not only benefits you, ah, oh, surprise, not so it only benefits you, but mostly that benefits the kingdom of God. And somewhere out there, okay, somewhere out there in eternity, there is a reward. Do you have a plan? Because let me tell you what, to fail to plan is to plan to fail. If you, if you put, if you put, you, you, they liked your part better this morning, I'll guarantee you. <laughs> okay, if, if, you, if you put God last in your checkbook, guess who's not going to get paid? God. If you put God last, in your, last on your calendar, guess who's not going to have time? God. If you choose to fill your life with your talents and abilities going somewhere else, who's going to get shortchanged? God. Oh, oh, and by the way, the fourth thing I didn't mention that he's made stewards of is the gospel. And if we don't make time for the gospel, guess what's going to get shortchanged? The gospel. The gospel. So he has a plan. 
He says, I know what I'll do so that when I'm removed from the management, people will welcome me into their homes. And so this is the part where, again, if if you're writing the Bible, you probably wouldn't cut it in here, but here's how it goes. Verse number five. So he, the unfaithful steward, the, the steward who thought he was an owner and wasn't and got fired. So he summons each one of his mastered steaders. So he makes a few phone calls. And, you know, they, they do this with the, when the stock market's doing up or down. You know, hey, got a good deal for you. Hey, don't, don't worry. The stock market always comes back. You know, making those phone calls. Well, he starts making phone calls. Okay? Now, we only have two examples. We only have two examples. But he calls each debtor because it says that. He calls each one of the debtors. So here's number one. How much do you owe my master? He asked. The first one. Verse six. A hundred measures of olive oil. And he said, take your invoice, he told him, sit down quickly and write 50. Okay, so he calls the guy in and says, hey, uh, you know, how much, how much, how, what's your bill here? A hundred barrels of olive oil. Okay, tell you what, sit down quickly and make it 50. Okay, all right, now, now here's why statement number two about stewards. Stewards not only have a plan, but stewards, remember, they've got a limited amount of time. He knew that, that this all was going to come in real quick. So he tells the guy, don't lolly- listen, don't think too long about this decision. Because I've got a little bit of time left that I'm going to be this manager. Okay? So if you want this deal, you better do it quickly. Don't call ourselves and do it all the time. If you want today, I mean today only. Now listen, tomorrow the deal's no good. Okay, it's today. All right, so, so if you want this deal, it's today. So he says, sit down and write quickly. Not only do stewards have a plan, but they realize they have a limited amount of time. How many here y'all say, amen, time goes by too quick? My granddaughter that was born the first year we were here, the first two months we were here, just graduated from high school. Where did the time go? Where did the time go? I look and, you know, it wasn't too long that you're in the youth department. Where does the time go? Every one of you with children, you know, already, I, I said, hope what grade you're going in? Fourth grade. I said, hope you can't be going in the fourth grade. Time goes by. So, okay, we got a limited amount of time. It's important whatever we're going to do that we do quickly. What did Paul say? Redeeming the time because the days are evil. So this wise steward, okay, this wise steward, in the sense that shrewd steward is a better word, okay, says, I've got a limited amount of time, act now. So wise stewards, okay, good stewards, shrewd stewards, have one, they have a plan, and two, they act quickly. All right? They know time is important. So next, he asked another person, number two, how much do you owe? And a hundred measures of wheat, he said, well, take your bill, your invoice, he said, and write down 80, okay? Now, I don't, I'd love to research and find out if there's some meaning why one guy got a 50% discount and one guy only got a 20% discount. I don't know. There's something there, I'll guarantee you. Uh, I'll just guarantee you. I don't want to make mountains out of molehills, but, but there's a reason why, and, okay? And so, so these two people are given good deals, act now, good deal. Making friends for the future. There's a reason why. Hey, do you remember, you remember back when uh, I was employed still? <laughs> yeah, boy, I remember that. You gave me a great deal. My bill was 100 and you made it 50 That's right. Listen, can you help me now? I mean, there are strings attached to this. Okay? Then, you know, the guy of the wheat, hey, you know, barrels of wheat, yeah, yeah, you, you knocked off 20%. I remember. Listen, I could really need some help now. Okay? All right, so that's how this went down. Okay? Now watch what happens. This is where you're going to scratch your head. So, 
Verse 8. The master praised the unrighteous manager. What? No, no, surely not. The master praised the unrighteous manager because he acted shrewdly. He had acted shrewdly. He had acted wisely. Now, he was not praising the guy going, the guy didn't come back and say, dude, you did awesome, man. Maybe you ought to stay on employed. No, no, no. That's not what he's saying. But the owner's going, you know what? You are one shrewd dude. You're, you acted for your own benefit, your own selfish reasons. You acted very wisely. And, and the, man, the owner praises this guy for being wise, for, for having a plan, for, for understanding his time was limited. And so the, the owner says, you know what? That was pretty wise of you. Don't like what you did. It was wrong, but got to commend you for that. Now, this is, the, this is the key thought. This is big. Here's what Jesus says now. For the children of this age, the people of the world, okay, are more shrewd, are wiser than the children of the light in dealing with their own people, their own affairs. Jesus said that the people out there are wiser than us. When it comes to the future, when it comes to the future, the people out there without God are wiser than the people that know God. Because see, the people out there, now they're, they're, it's all messed up. It's all messed up. You know, people invest, invest, invest in retirement, not for the kingdom. So they can buy their big Winnebago RV and go down and do what they want to in somewhere, or they'll buy two or three houses around the world or do it. You know, you know, they have they have a plan. How, how many commercials do you see on television about retirement? Invest with us so that when the time comes, you can do what you want to do. They're wiser than we are. There's a lot of guys who have done very well in retirement because they were smart enough to plan for the future. And Jesus says that. He says, the children of this age are more shrewd than the children of light of light in dealing with their own people, their own affairs. And I think the way Paul would say it is this ought not to be. If there's anybody who ought to be wise about the future, who is it? It's us. It's us. And while there is, listen, while, while there is nothing wrong with planning so you can have a comfortable retirement, your thought process has got to be, wait a minute, even in retirement, even in retirement, my plan must be that I am a manager and not an owner. That still all belongs to God. And so I've got to be able to plan not to the last heartbeat, but beyond. I've got a plan from the last heartbeat and beyond. Because, listen, there's a lot more on that side of the river than there is on this side of the river. And just logic will tell you that your biggest planning plans ought to be beyond your last heartbeat and your lot breath. And, and I wrote this down, and I still don't know what it means. Every time I write it down, I don't know what it means. 
But I know this. Somewhere out there, there's an economy in God's kingdom. Okay? And we can invest in that economy. Not in the sense of dollars and cents. But in the sense of rewards and eternity. And our, our mission must be to, to look beyond this to that. The wise steward will do that. And I was just amazed when Jesus said, the world's smarter than you guys. The world's smarter than us. Because they know what they... They know what they want in the future and they make sure it happens. We're not sure we know what happens in the future. So it's not going to happen. If you want to hear, well, good, well done, good and faithful servant, there's a way to do that. You serve the kingdom here. I, I, it's time for one of those blunt statements no one likes. And it involves a lot more than coming and sitting on a pew on Sunday. You don't, can I just be honest with you? You don't get a lot of points from just coming and sitting on a pew. I mean, really. I mean, don't think God's everyone. Good job. Go out and feed the hungry. Forgive somebody who doesn't deserve forgiving. Love when someone deserves no love. Teach, sing, serve, love your neighbor. Those are the things that get well done. Just going to church. I hope you do that. We need the job. But, and God, you know, I guess God likes that. But I'm just telling you, we need to do more. We just need to do more. I mean, we just need to do more. So, he says in verse number 9, And I tell you, make friends for yourselves. Make friends for yourselves. By means of worldly wealth. In other words, take what you've got and make friends. Take what you've got and make friends. But then he gives a caveat. So that when it fails, when the money fails, when the wealth fails, they may welcome you into eternal dwellings. So when he says take your worldly wealth and make friends, he ain't talking about here. He's talking about there. And I don't know how big this is. Got to be honest with you. I don't know how big this is. But it has something to do with this. Who's going to be in heaven because of you? Who's going to be in heaven because of you? Who's going to be there when you get there and is going to say, thank you? Thank you for giving. Thank you for loving. Thank you for serving. I know you're thinking of the song. You know, I'm, I'm, here because of, I'm here because of your testimony. I'm here because of your giving. I'm here because you shared. Who's going to be in heaven because of you? A wise steward will invest in the kingdom so that when they get there, there'll be friends there who will say, thank you. I'm here because of you. Now, how does that kind of pan out? Okay. Well, let me shift over to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. You know, Jesus said, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth. Jesus said that. Don't store up treasures, Matthew chapter 6, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. That's all temporal. It's all temporal. Verse 620. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart may be also. So Jesus says, when, you know, as a manager, you need to invest in not only this world, but in the world to come. Okay? If you, if you invest only in here, it's going to get eaten by bugs, okay, and, by, and taken by thieves. Okay? By bugs and thieves. If you invest in eternity, it will be there. 
it will be there. And again, there's more water on that side of the lake than this side of the lake. This is, this is 80, 100 years at the most. Okay, that's forever. Forever and forever. That's what Jesus means. And, and he goes on and says, now back in Luke chapter 16, he says, whoever, now listen, whoever is 16.10, whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. It's just a principle. If you're faithful in little, God says you'll be faithful in much. I know you will be. And whoever is unrighteous or unfaithful in very little is also unrighteous in much. So he says, you know, if you're faithful in a little bit that you have, you'd be faithful. I know you'd be faithful in a lot. And if you're unfaithful in a little bit, you're going to be faithful if you had a lot. Okay? That's what he says. So, if you have not been faithful with worldly wealth, if you've not been faithful with worldly wealth, who will trust you with what is genuine? How can I trust you, he would say, with what is eternal? I tried to find verses and didn't have time really to do it. You know, there again, there's a time to reign in heaven. You know, we will reign with him, the Bible says. If we suffer with him, we will reign with him. There's, there's a thousand-year plan out there where a lot of people believe that, that believers will help reign that thousand-year reign. You know, don't have time to explain all that because I'm not sure I understand it either. But, but he says, how can I trust you with that if I can't trust you now with what I placed into your hands? If you've not been faithful with what belongs to someone else, who will give you what is your own? What a pointed, pointed question. So, quickly... We finish up with this. The eye is the lamp of the... This is Matthew 6. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. You're going, wait, wait, what? Because this is right there with this, you know, moth and rust and all that thing. What? How? Okay. Often in God's word, I is mind. I is M-I-N-D. Mind. Attitudes. Okay? So... He says, if your attitude, the attitude, your mind, is the lamp of the body. If your attitude is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your, if your eye, your mind, your attitude is bad, then your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? So what's important? Our attitude and our actions toward things. Our attitude and actions about being a steward, or do we think we're owners? If we get this one right, it's huge, guys. It's huge. Big kingdom impact. Big kingdom impact. And again, think about parenting. Again, your resources, your time, you know, calendars, abilities, the gospel, all of that. It's huge. It's just huge. And then finally, in a verse we all know, no one can serve two masters. Since either he will hate one or love the other, and he'll be devoted to one or despise other. You can't serve God and money. You've got to choose. You cannot be an owner and a manager. You've got to choose which one you're going to be. And I'll tell you, biblically, we're all managers. It's choos- choosing if that's how we're going to act. The last word from Jesus is this. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Good word. Let's pray. God, I know one thing. 
this is bigger than we realize. Forgive us. Forgive us when we act like owners and not managers. Forgive us when we think that's ours to do with what we want without even consulting you. Forgive us when we make plans and you're not even in the picture. Forgive us when we're poor, poor stewards. When our calendars are so full of the things of the world, there's no time for you. When our checkbooks are drained by trinkets and toys and there's nothing left for you. When our talents and abilities are pulled away by the world and there's nothing left to use in the kingdom. Forgive us, Lord. And God, at the same time, inspire us tonight. Help us be wise enough to learn from the story you told us. I love the fact a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. And because of your grace, it's never too late. So whether we're 65 or 30 or 85, we have time. Our time may be shorter than it was, but we have time. So help us to whatever we're going to do for the kingdom to start now and investing in the things that matter. Thanks, Jesus, for telling us this great story. And we pray in your precious name. Amen. Amen. All right, Dave's got a song for us.